everyone and welcome to the American Scouser podcast. We are back three bozos on the same screen again for the first time this year, I think, right? Sad but true. Could be happy but true as well. I am your host as always, Timuchin here in Chicago. And with us, we're back to the usual crew. Even Alan is here. It's time to roll. First up is Gally. Gally, what's happening? Hanging in there. A little bit of snow, a little bit of ice, a little bit of shit. A lot more same results. There's like shit coming now. There's like shit raining. <laughs> feels, shit it feels like it, man. Sky. If you if you saw what's happening in New England right now, you would think shit was coming down. And as always, swimming in shit <laughs> is Bigler. <laughs> Bigler, what's happening? Man, it's good to have the band back together again. <laughs> oh, it's going to be a fun tour, I'm sure. Uh, Brian is here with us. Good evening, Brian. Okay, there's a lot to get to today. Uh, obviously, we're going to talk about the Chelsea game. Uh, there are some other topics that if we have time to get to, I want to kind of get your guys' take and get the evening crew's take over here as well. But as always, what we have to do first is this thing over here. You guys had an entire 2023 almost with me not doing um, audio, says someone, but I don't know what the problem is. Jeff is not getting sound, but we should be good, I believe. And Jeff, is with Jeff unmute, unmute your shit, Jeff. I promise you'll hear us. <laughs> uh, BJ is with us. BJ's background is out of control. <laughs> I'm just having all sorts of fun with that. What can, now, what can I think I at this point, he's just trying to show off uh, Galley more and more every week. Pretty soon, BJ is not even going to be on there. It's just going to be like a background with like a bunch of stuff. But BJ, what do you have for us for trivia this week? Well, you know, these guys dodged me for the past three, four podcasts. And uh, I was getting a little, quite frankly, pissed off about that. I was going to give them a really rough question. Give me the record over the 21 matches that Liverpool conceded the first goal. But then I thought, you know, they give me three numbers that add up to 21. And after they ran out of fingers and toes, I didn't want to know where they were going to go for 21. So we're going to skip the math. Fact. We're going to, <laughs> we're going to, we're going to skip the math and we're going to play everyone's favorite game. Because I hit the right button. Name the Liverpool players who are not named Steven Gerrard. <laughs> So you've already you're, got a hint for the first really basic at this point. Already got a hint for the first one. So here, here we go. Whoop. Well, that was good. Just gave away the whole damn answer there. Oh, uh, yeah. I don't know. That was Firmino. Very okay. Well, yeah, this 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 like totally went <laughs> south on us here. I wanna I wanna just say I was gonna answer Gerard. <laughs> just go. to ruin okay. the segment in classic Bickler fashion. I was gonna okay, answer well here's, Gerard. Here's the, we're gonna do this reverse. What's the question? Here's the answer. What's the question? Oh, that's good. Oh, yeah. That's a hell of a recovery, BJ. I'll tell yeah, you that Yeah, nice twist. Nice, well I played. Like it. I like it. Well, Bigler, let's start with you. What is the question? Matush says, Steven Gerrard is the question. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I guess what is the answer? We can, we can up the pressure here. Oh, yeah. He puts me on a clock. Let, let me... Uh, this is like the reverse galley. Like I got to answer quickly to help galley instead of like <laughs> delay. Right, right. Just run it down. No, you're just going to run it down to two seconds. Then you're going to be like, right. Uh, uh, I gave you all that time, galley. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I have, any, I have no clue what this is. Like something, a p total appearances. I don't know. I'll, I'll take that. But it's the two players who have appeared in the 
411 matches under Klopp. The two who have appeared in over 300 of them. Now we have more, and there's that list. That's the rest of the top 10, but Firmino and, uh, and Milner had, the, had over 300, plus some That's with under Brendan, uh, Brendan Rodgers. Henderson's interesting because he's number 18 on the all-time list, but yeah. only 283 for Klopp. I was just going to say, I would have gotten that wrong because I would have had Henderson in my top two. Exactly. Yeah, you would have picked Henderson first. Right. Yeah, exactly. I, I think we both would have. Um, yeah. I think I would have gotten Bobby right because I genuinely believe that Bobby has started every match he's been fit since Klopp took over. Like if Pretty close. Klopp can start Bobby, he does. And, you know, Timuchin, we'll probably talk about this later, like how much this side misses Bobby. I know <laughs> me saying this. Just I know you're not going to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm dead. I'm going to back you up on that, Callie, because I'm going to talk about sending him out probably during this window. In the next eight days, we should transfer him out probably. Uh, this has got to be a record for the show off the rails this early. We went off the rails within five minutes and 30 seconds, and BJ gave the answer to trivia <laughs> I know, before that's, asking I'm the question. That never going to live that down. Yeah, so here's the cool one, though. you guys this then. Okay, go back to that list, uh, BJ. Uh, let me ask you guys. Let's go around over here. Do you guys think Van Dyke will get to 300? He's a 205. How about them no. apples? <laughs> no, no, you don't think so, huh? No, because I don't think Jurgen Klopp's going to manage 95 more matches for Liverpool. <clears throat> I honestly would have thought. Van Dyke is more, but you guys are right. I would have guessed Henderson to be higher up in there. I would have probably got said Hendo and Bobby since they were there since the beginning, kind of an ordeal. Uh, but yeah, it may, I mean, Hendo obviously has had a lot more injuries, and Bobby has been on until this year for the most part, pretty healthy. So, uh, so Victor, what do you think? Van Dyke gets to 300? I, I don't know that he does, regardless of the manager. I think Galley's point's great about Klopp, but like, I mean. Kazi's saying he plays 60 games a year usually. Not anymore, he doesn't. Like, uh, yeah. I don't I don't I don't see him getting I think he's doing well to get 30 a year, to be quite honest. We we, we played 63 games last year and we played every match on offer. So I don't yeah. think we're gonna ever play 63 matches again in a year. And if I'm not mistaken, the question was 300 appearances under Klopp, correct? Mm-hmm. I'm not saying yeah. he won't get to 300 for the club. He might make 95 more appearances. I don't – Klopp has only signed on for two more seasons and said he is out after that. I don't think that Virgil van Dyke makes 95 starts in the next two years under Jurgen Klopp, if that's the question. Yeah, he gets to the 300, I think. Maybe I think not he gets Liverpool, to 300. Maybe well. not under Klopp, but he, he'll get to the 300. Here's here's the interesting one, though, that just to point out, too. Not only is it by appearances, but this is by minutes. Uh, again, all the time under, under Klopp. Firmino has been on the pitch. Well, this is what I call the Fortnite group, because they've been, all been on the pitch more than 14 elapsed days. That's crazy the number of minutes Bobby yeah. has had, by the way. Yeah. Bobby and Mo riding him to the ground. Yep. And, and then Mane. The minutes there for Henderson, too. That's only, again, under clock. 35,000. Mane's hurt right now. 
he's 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 almost to the second Fortnite, you know. Yeah, I mean, we've written though that. I mean, you can. This just shows that we written yeah. that the creative part of the team. We have wrote him to death with the front. Wait, wait, wait. Magical and the right and left back. We have just wrote him to not death. nine minutes in on the American Scouser podcast on January twenty third, twenty twenty three, and we've identified they don't fucking rotate enough. <laughs> no shit. Where have I heard this before? But show me the numbers. You know, all of it. In God we trust, all others bring data. There's the data. Thanks well a lot, played, BJ. BJ. There I you mean, go, gentlemen. This was the only way to well get, done, sir. Get into yeah, the, we're, gonna, we're not going to mess it up as much next time. But. And, and do me a favor. Feel free. Feel free to absolutely ruin trivia any chance you choose. <laughs> you know that next question you're adding up. You're adding up to 23, 24. I I, I gotta say I'm just I'm just impressed by the recovery. To be perfectly honest, that was, it was like, well. It was so well. That played. was well executed. Well man watches DJ. Jeopardy. Yeah, well, yeah, no, and, and hey, there he's right there. there that's my man, Alex Trebek. <laughs> that he's was the plot to his there. Thanks a lot, BJ. Take care, Take care gentlemen. Bye, buddy. Yeah, only way to make you guys get it right is by giving you guys the answer first. I think that's what BJ I is mean, figuring out. No, he created another question on the fly. That was good. That was good. <clears throat> I'll give him that. So let's do this right here. Let's get to the game. Um, Obviously, we're going to talk a lot more about this today uh, since we didn't have the post-match. Uh, a lot of, like, I mean, not an easy watch. None of the Liverpool games are, like, an easy watch uh, right now. Yeah, Kazi says, uh, forget Liverpool. Let's just talk We'll get there. We will, yeah, we will get to Fat Frank, I'm sure. Um, and have, like, a moment of silence somewhere in the middle of the podcast or something like that. But, um, Bickler, let's start with you. Like I say, it is kind of like a hard watch, especially in the crack of dawn over here. But, uh, I mean, these are were both teams that are kind of like struggling uh, injuries, kind of like constantly makeshift lineups over there. What do you make of the 11? Is that what you kind of like were looking forward to seeing? Out of the people, that's available, obviously. Oh man! I mean, yes, I was looking forward to seeing James Milner at right back, a hundred percent. Yeah, no, I. There's nothing about this team that I look forward to right now at all. How about the midfield? I guess that's like my biggest thing. It's probably like the top two lines. I think you You know know what. Here's what I will say about the midfield. I complain about Jurgen Klopp not selecting a team based on merit. You know, Mm -hmm. like he he has his like he has his team. He has his favorites. He likes to do things in certain situations and kind of sticks true to that pattern. What I liked about this midfield is the midfield selected on merit. This is a Pep Guardiola midfield. It is the midfield that is playing the best right now at this given time, gives them the best opportunity to have some sort of spark. And so I respect that. Yeah, I mean, that was, I don't know, like when you look at it, you feel like, I mean, I – if it was the regular Hendo we saw, I would like to see Hendo out there, but we have not seen that Hendo in a while. Uh, how about you, Galli? I mean, you see that lineup, the middle field three, and the front three right there, especially with the placement of Gakpo and Harvey. Yeah, I didn't like Gakpo in the center. I would have played Gakpo out left. I think that we've been talking about this in our Discord channel. I think the young man is struggling clearly to bet in with this side. He's also being put in a spot where he's being asked to like walk right into a team that needs a starter. And nobody plays this quick with us, right? We we talked about how Diaz took like 
like a duck to water. And in some ways, Jota, it was a little easier because we were just playing so great at the time and we had so many attacking-minded players. It was easier, in my opinion, for Jota to bet in. I thought what Diaz did last year in January was just miraculous, and we've all talked about how surprising it was. And I think in some ways Gakbo's kind of being held to that level of response. And I don't think it's fair to the kid. That said, he's been poor. Like, to call it anything less is just being false because he hasn't been good. But he's also being played out of position. So once again, Jurgen Klopp finds a new player and is like, I got an idea. I'll shoehorn him into something he's never done successfully in his career. And he'll do it out of the rip for a bigger club than where he was. He should be on the left. Mo should be in the center. Harvey should be out right. And if someone can explain to me why there's any better answer where Harvey plays left, well, I'll wait. What do you think, Bickler? I mean, I don't understand yeah. that either because it feels like, you know, Gakpo <laughs> should be, if you're trying to work a new player in and let them feel as comfortable as possible, you would probably start him on the left where he's more comfortable. And it's probably, I would feel, especially the way we play, it's a lot easier to play winger. Yeah, you have certain defensive responsibilities and stuff, but it's a lot easier to play on the wing and get the hang of things than be in the middle where normally you use a guy like Bobby and stuff. It's not like, you know, we normally use Nunez, you know. We use Galley's favorites, uh, the guy that Galley sent to the island like three years ago, Bobby. So what yeah, do you, why fair. do you think we insist? Even when like, Nunez <laughs> came in, we were like, no, no, you're staying in the middle, damn it. It's like... <laughs> I just feel like you're yelling my thoughts to me in the form of a question. <laughs> like, I mean, and that's why I kind of laugh. It's like the only plausible response is that you believe so strongly that Mo impacts your team isolated on an island on the right side of the, the field. Like it makes it makes literally no sense to me at all uh, that you would play essentially two players out of position for your best player to not be central. <laughs> like – you know, like it, 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 I don't know. I mean, I'm sure it's blasphemous in certain circles to talk this way about Jurgen Klopp, and but I just don't, it doesn't make any sense to me. Like, what you're putting a player that should be left central, you're playing a player that should be right left, and you're playing a player that should be right, should be central right. Like, you essentially played all three in, in positions that didn't make sense on the run of form after you basically put a perfect midfield in terms of merit and form together. Like, it's just such a frustrating disconnect. I don't know what the answer is. And that's one thing, like, I wanted to ask you guys. So, like, Galley, we've been talking about, you know, like, defensive line. Every blame so far, I mean, since the beginning of the season, regardless of what's happening in the back line and stuff, somehow has gone to the midfield, right? I mean, as I watched this game, I was kind of thinking – you know, yeah, obviously, when you don't pressure, put pressure on the ball, this back line is going to get exposed, and it's not their fault. We play the high line and everything like that. But is it partially because we've kind of ignored the fact that we don't have, like, the same attacking power anymore, so it almost feels like we don't scare teams as much anymore, and that pressure is not standing from the front? Are we kind of, like, harping on the midfield way too much unfairly when we're not really getting any pro- – and I'm not talking just goals. We're not getting much production from the front three. Yeah, I, I, I think we are, and I, I will say this. We have been critical. Let's let's just not even call it harping, whatever it is, right? We've been critical of the midfield, and I feel like they have warranted that criticism. 
But I've also heard things like, well, the front three could play well if they had a functioning midfield behind them. The midfield might have a little bit easier area to battle through if the front three was actually pressing, winning a ball back, or even keeping possession in the final third. Like, we turn the ball over at the at the top of the opponent's box. Like, one out of three times, it feels like, when the ball comes in from either of the two wide areas, we just turn the ball over, which then puts our midfield behind. They start playing with numbers, and then teams counter us with a high line. And our our fullbacks, as we know, are always so far forward that we're basically putting three on five every single time we turn the ball over. And all we hear about is how Fab can't do what he used to do. But maybe it's that when the ball goes out wide, we never – complete passes in the final third i would love to see statistically what our numbers are for actual completed passes inside the final third because to me they have to be like 10 to 15 percent lower than they were in past seasons because that's where i feel like academically we are not competing any longer in the final third of the pitch we're just guessing and that's, I mean, the thing I saw the most is, I mean, as I'm watching the game, you know, our strength was like the counter pressing and, you know, defending from the front and stuff like that. And I realized, you know, like Bobby isn't there, but even when Bobby was not there, we were able to do that. There was some kind of a trigger. I mean, it was Mani before, then it was Diaz. There was some kind of a trigger that's kicked off the energy in that press. You saw glimpses of it here and there during the game. But I feel like Gakpo is in the middle. He's kind of lost. He's not sure. I mean, he's definitely not going to be the trigger because he's not used to the system yet. You have Harvey on the left-hand side. He's not familiar with where he's at. He's more worried about, you know, making sure he's doing his defensive duties in terms of tracking back as opposed to actually going out and pressing. Doesn't want to leave space behind. So is that actually our bigger problem, Bickler, you think, than the midfield itself? The fact that we have so many hurt players where it counts and that defensive work would begin. Um, I don't think that we've basically been overly critical of the midfield as much as we just haven't been critical of the front three enough. Like, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, so, so I did this thing, (laughs) I did this thing the other night. (laughs) This story could go so many places. Yeah. Yeah. So I did this thing the other night, like, so I'm watching YouTube highlights of games, right. Of just like bullshit. I think it was like championship games actually. Like, and I did the old man thing where I like, like it just nodded off and like woke up and like YouTube was still going, right? But YouTube was on the 2017 Liverpool Manchester City game. And so like I woke up, I was like, oh, okay. I was like watching this and I'm like, fuck, we're just we'll pressing. Up. <laughs> they're, like they're like Manchester City's uncomfortable, like on the ball. Like they didn't, there was nowhere for them to breathe or go or anything. And I'm like, damn, dude, like we're just like, squeezing the life out of them. And then I realized Emery Chan's on the pitch. <laughs> like, like, you know what I mean? And so like, I, I think like, I mean, I said, I feel like a broken record. We've beat the brakes off this starting 11. Like they're like, to me, there just isn't the physical ability to do some of the things that they're being asked to do anymore. Secondly, um, when I just look at the side in general, it's like, 
we talk about a lack of rotation and stuff, but it just doesn't make any sense as to what we're doing to make a tactical adjustment to something that's obviously changed for these people. Because the entire system is designed to win the ball in the final third of the pitch. Like that's the entire system. And it is absolute suicide to play a high line when you can't take a team out of possession. And we can't. So I just don't understand the lack of adjustment. Yeah. We were were literally playing – we weren't even playing our traditional high line in the last match. And then we weren't also like we were sitting back and at times still having guys press up the pitch. And I was like, this, this doesn't make any sense. We're (laughs) sitting back and then stepping forward. Like there were times they had, there were plenty of opportunities for us to be gotten at in the last match. And Chelsea just was, to be totally honest, so much more toothless than us. Because if Chelsea came at us, they would have beat us on our own pitch. Like it was nothing. Like, it, that was a really, in my opinion, that was a really, really poor performance. We talk about how we got a point, and you can take a point when you draw with Chelsea, even if it's at home. We should have lost the match. Yeah. Yeah. We, we should have lost that match. They had opportunities to score. They had the better opportunities to score. I mean, they put one in the and back of the net. They're if absolute, it, they're absolute shit. They're, they're absolute yeah, that's shit. the problem. I think that's the concern. They're like right? hot it's mess garbage. Yes. Yes. They're hot mess garbage. And the only difference was is mediocre Chelsea would have put five against us. So I guess this answers my next question before I even ask it, but is there any joy to be taken uh, if you try to find some (laughs) positives here and there out of two clean sheets back to back, Gally? The only, actually, there is some joy there. I will say this. I I was critical in Discord about Joe Gomez, right? I I made some comments and, and he did have some mental lapses and to mutual. We talked about how you're clearing a ball back across the middle of the pitch. You don't do that. Some Um, brain farts at times. Yeah. But he was, but I went back and actually watched the match again, um, which basically just shows you that I have no fucking life and I'm a glutton for punishment that I rewatched a nil nil draw with fucking Chelsea at home. Um, but he was actually pretty good. And where he was really good, he was good organizing the defense from the left-hand side. Um, And I was critical of why he was on the left-hand side, seeing he had always played on the right. And I think Klopp figured out that this is his pairing until Van Dyke is back. And I think Klopp figured out that Joe Gomez is the answer to substituting to the left-hand side when Virgil can't start. And I think it makes Kanate better playing on the right. And I also think for our buddy going on adventures, he is clearly the now the fourth choice defender. Um, and Matip has kind of fallen down the rung, and we'll get to that where we get to it. But I think the defense was actually pretty good in this match when they were called upon to defend. So if we're getting any form of positives, it's two clean sheets in a row. And I think we figured out our pairing when Virgil can't play, which is it's Gomez on the left, Kanate on the right. In defense of Matip, let me ask you this, Gally, though. Does it help that you have Milner defending next to you as opposed to Trent? 
it always helps to have a guy who wants to defend first. You know what I mean? Like in terms of no, no, like, it does. Dude, where'd you but, go? Like, <laughs> but but if we're gonna be fair, when we were calling Matip the best defender in the side last year, was Trent not alongside him going forward the whole match? And no, he no, was no, still figuring out that, ways to defend. When you, say, when you look at this year's performances, no, no, you know what I, I mean? I like, just, if Matip played next to Milner, would he be a lot less exposed? I guess is my I'm, question I'm, to you. I'm sure he would be, but honestly, it wasn't James Milner not being next to him that made Matip had the horror that he did at Brighton. I mean, what he did at Brighton was, it was, I mean, it was borderline criminal. So I, I but I am, I'm being, I'm, not disagreeing with you, Timuchin. Like, I think it absolutely does. But last year, we were calling him the best defender in the side, and Trent was still being Trent going forward and basically playing That's right true. wing and being called a, uh, being called a right back. So I don't want to – I don't want to dig in on Trent to make up for Matip while I'm trying to give Gomez his first compliment in three years. <laughs> yeah, I mean – Trying to be positive, damn it. Brian says uh, it was a classic. Mid- yeah, I mean, as I was watching that game, I was like, if anybody is like, hey, how are these top teams like, you know, they're not at the top. I would like watch the shit, you know, like I just like show them the TV. And then, you know, if you and then you watch the West Ham Everton game, you're like, you know why these guys are getting relegated? Watch the shit. Like it was so clear, like seeing those. And, you know, you can see about the performances, why those teams are there. How about you, Bickler? Since we're trying to be positive, let's get to you to crash that down. Uh, is there any joy to be taken from uh, the two clean sheets? <clears throat> I mean, normally I would have said no, but like, I mean, Galley kind of made me rethink a few things because, like, I, I like, I do give you're going to fair amount of shit for like a being stubborn and not rotating awful use of subs. And then these weird lineup things where when he does put people in, he basically plays major pieces out of position, right? Well, one of those things is moving Joe left where he's not ever been to make Kanadi maybe marginally better on the right. Well, like that one pays off, right? And pays off big. So if the if we can duplicate that and, and regularly do that, that is a crazy, crazy weird gamble that actually pays off in a big way because it makes in my in my opinion, Kanate is the most important piece of this side's longevity in the next five years. Like I think he's that big for this team. And so if you can take that kind of importance on the back line and even make it stronger. And then essentially find a very key rotational piece for an aging star in your squad. That's massive. Like that's really, really, that's a really huge thing to figure out on just, in my opinion, what looks like fucking around. So um, I guess I'll hat tip to Jurgen there on that. I mean, I think, you know, Gomez has become the new Lauren and, you know, Hendo. And yes. Stuff like that. If he happens to be out there, he just, you know, they're like, that's it. He did it. You know, get him. And he gets the blame. And I almost feel like, you know, when he shifted on the left, when I saw him on the left sometimes, and, you know, some of those clearances, it's just like, is it out of habit that you're kind of like heading it or clearing it to your right? Because you always play there. And you was kind of like, there were a couple of times where I was like, bro, what are you doing? Like, who clears the ball towards the middle of the box or like front of like the center and stuff. 
I mean, I thought he did well. Like you say, the effect of Milner, I think, on that back line is huge because those diagonal balls are not as dangerous. And obviously, you know, having Konate and Gomez, two guys with speeds, helps the cause. Having said that, though, let's face it. I mean, we got... I mean, we gave up a lot of clear-cut chances. A good Chelsea side or a Chelsea side that has a finisher would have probably easily scored. And obviously they scored that was like an off, so I don't consider that scored. But, I mean, they had a lot of clear-cut chances. It's not like we prevented chances, but you still got to take the clean sheet as a positive and move on. So let me ask you guys this, because after the Brighton game, uh, like we talked about this on the pod in terms of like Klopp for the first time, kind of like taking responsibility and admitting that he's at fault and something's had to change and stuff. Have you seen anything or what have you noticed, Gally, in terms of what has changed in this team over the last two games that you're like, you know what? Klopp is making some visible changes. Well, I mean, the first visible changes, he decided to start Naby Keita for the first time since last season on the last yeah. match of the year. I figured he was just like, hey, I let Gally come to a match. I let Keita have a start. He's never starting again. Um, because he hasn't started a Premier League match since the match against Wolves on the final day of last season. And I'd argue for the last four or five matches that he's been a substitute in, he's been our best midfielder the entire time and didn't get a start, which kept screaming to me, like there's something more going on here than just the problem on the training ground or the problems that Klopp sees in his tactics. There was a personal issue. So I'm happy that he made that move. I, I still think he's playing Tiago way too much, to be honest. And I think he's playing Gakpo out of position. And I think that it's it's detrimental to everyone. And at the same time, I, you know, Mo just doesn't look like he's up for the races at all. I mean, to me, Mo looks like a guy going through the motions. Like, just doesn't even kind of looks like he's into it, not into it. You know, he's missed kicks, just always looks frustrated. And I, I just feel like right now there's the, the positives are Kata's playing couple clean sheets, but the real concerns I still have is, is it doesn't feel like the manager has a plan for how to fix it. How about you, Bickler? Um, I mean, same question. Have you noticed anything visible since he kind of like came out and flat out said? And I feel like, I mean, I know like we've disagreed on this in the past, not with you guys, but like with online and the Discord channel and stuff. I feel like that's one of the few times where he's come out and, you know, taken fault instead of, you know, blaming the grass and the water and the rain and, yeah. uh, you know, the main. So my, my, major, my major criticism is that I, I always don't, I don't feel like he protects the squad by rotating them, right? Like that's my major criticism, and so when he's coming out with a midfield like a which looks like a merit-based midfield, and two of the three of those players are Nabi Keita, who's been locked out of the side, and a teenager. Like that, that's that that's changed, but it feels gross, right? Like like that's not what I meant. <laughs> like like you know what I mean? And I think that's the sad thing is like the things that I wanted are happening. They're just happening in a really grotesque, perverted dirty way to this team and like um it's hard to watch man uh, but like i think i guess if i'm positive is that it's like it it looks like he's looking for solutions if i'm pessimistic it looks like he's throwing in the towel 
Like, so like, and that's, that's the thing that I struggle with is like, all right, well, like he's trying some different things, but it also kind of feels like he's given up in certain ways. And like, so that's, that's the really frustrating thing. And, you know, we're going to get at some point, this ends up all dissolving into a Jurgen Klopp versus FSG argument, whether it's like he's giving up because he's frustrated because he hasn't got the investment or he's giving up because he doesn't have experience and doesn't know how to take his top side into its next iteration after he's seen players fully evolve past their prime. Like it, those are the two arguments it essentially breaks down to. And the truth probably lies somewhere in the middle with bits and truth on both sides. But like we're getting down towards the end of the window and we all know how desperately want a midfielder. And none of us want to hear, well, it's coming in the summer. Yeah, Brian says whenever Keda gets to go run, he gets injured and is gone for at least a month. That's what I'm worried about and goes back to what Galley was saying. I'm worried, getting worried about that with Thiago. I think, you know, yeah. this is way, way too, It's almost like seeing Matzip and Keita and yeah. Thiago playing back to back to back like four or five games. You're like, whoa, let's slow down over here. But I want to go back to what, you know, Victor was talking about Galley when he's like, it almost, I get the same sense too that until that game, maybe there was people in that room telling him, hey, why don't we do this and after the brighton game you know what whatever let's just freaking do it <laughs> and like he just like yeah. said that's fine like semi giving up Let, you know what fuck it let's try it is that you think that's what's happening or he's finally making some of the changes that he was hesitant to because he almost has had to make those changes now like his hand is kind of forced into playing this midfield that played I mean, he left he left Keita off the Champions League roster in August. So let's be honest. He he basically had written the guy off. He didn't think he would ever make another appearance for the club, and then he was forced into having to play him. And now he's not only having to play him, he's having to hold his nose as he plays him and then hug him when he subs him off because he was the best midfielder on the pitch when he took him off. Like, it, it's it's got to be bothering him a little bit. And and I'm sure deep down he's frustrated because he signed that player thinking I'm signing a world-class star player who's going to be my linchpin to my midfield, and it didn't work out. Like, I'm yeah. also okay with that and his frustration. He started Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain four matches in a row in the Premier League and Big League Cup matches in the front three then yanked him and played Harvey Elliott up there after all of us had said Harvey Elliott is not a midfielder, he's a front three player, and he said, no, he's not, no, he's not, can't play in my front three. Like, that's where I struggle. That feels like throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks, right? And I think that's where my frustration is. Like, it's the, I would have rather seen Ox gotten a chance to play in the midfield, then randomly start him through the middle in like an uncomfortable, awkward cameo. Because I feel like that's what he does where he sets up players. It's like what we say about Carvalho, right? You play guys through a 10 hole and you don't give Carvalho a chance. Then you put him out on the left wing and then tell everyone he's just not doing enough to get into the side. Well, you play him outside of his position and don't, tactically set up your team to suit his skills. And I feel like there's a lot. I feel like all we talk about is players playing out of position and there's formations that put this entire team into quality positions. 
and he refuses to try them. And I know we saw Kazi earlier in here, and he every week in Discord he calls for a four two two, and every sub comes out, and we're like, maybe we're gonna see four two two, and then Kazi's the first one who is like head down, four three three. He's playing on the left, like it's just. I get it. The man is stuck to his ways. But at what point do we start to not criticize ownership and players and spending and transfers and budgets and criticize the guy in charge for sticking to the same ways, even though the pieces in his puzzle say it fits a different setup? We just yeah, it's almost he like he's doing it for like spite at this point, like, just like, or like you know, just being like stubborn about it. And that's what like puzzles me about this whole. And I know you know, sounds like when we had made the signing, it sounded like hey, we're probably not gonna get Diaz and Jota back anytime soon. Otherwise, Bickler, why would we go out and sign Gakpo when you have other weaknesses? And if we sign them. Okay, like my thought was when we signed him, I answered my own question at that time and said, hey, you know what? Probably Diaz and Jota are not healthy enough. We're going to need a winger, so we have to sign this guy. Then why the fuck does he not play on the wing when he's in there and he's in so, the <clears throat> So if you told me, like, I'm logging into FIFA for the first time, I'm going to pick my preferred formation, and that was the preferred formation that I had to play with for the rest of my life, Right. So that's the, the scenario. I select that formation, and I'm in the situation I'm in. I pick Gakpo because we've already seen what Carvalho and Ox look like on the left wing. What's ridiculous about that is you can change your fucking formation and still strengthen the core of your team. Just go to the same. Without having to just menu. buy for that fucking spot. It's so, so ridiculous that a bunch of fat dudes on a couch who play soccer simulated matches are like, what are you doing? Like, like, uh, but, but it, like, what are you doing? Like it, and, and so I think that's what I'm saying. Like if you're stuck in a four through three, it makes sense because you're basically improving a position of obvious need and in basically saying that the, the, the pieces that don't fit there can fit in the midfield. So you're saying like Carvalho and Ox, you can play them in the mid versus this new addition to the wing. Uh, that's how much it improves. So, I mean, I can see, they saw a player that they could fit into essentially various positions in the front three because he can play all three of them at a prime asset age at a below prime asset price. Great, so, price. great price. Which is what FSG does. They basically they basically target market vulnerability. That's what they do. They target awesome. market vulnerability, and that's how they buy. So from a buy standpoint, it made perfect sense from that standpoint. This is a great purchase if this team is competing across all four fronts like last year. This is an amazing buy. But with all the obvious needs in midfield, it's obviously one that's that's tough to choke down. And that goes back to the – I mean, yeah, it was – and I, I was shocked, honestly, like we signed him. I thought we were not going to be in for him because I honestly thought would be – priced out of the ordeal just because i thought he would get he would fetch a much higher price so Me too. definitely I, and i'm happy for the signing and i guess i almost feel bad for the kid because i feel like he's playing alan was mentioning it earlier that you know they've done the same thing with him in you know in the world cup he played like central but it's a totally different system i mean he's used to the team already when you're introducing to a new team i would have guessed we played them more 
in his natural position. So let's flip this. Let's say even let's say we stick with the same formation. Um, I guess I was more confused when Nunez came in and he went to the left. And I was like, you would think that could be like, hey, 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 well, why don't we switch? Like, I'll go there. You come over here. Like old school, like <laughs> playground games. You're like, that's what I normally play. Why don't I go there? You come over here. I, and that just did not make sense to me. But um, I mean, I think the main person like really we're missing as I watch these games is probably who is it, Gally? Bobby. Bobby. I mean, I really think, you know, we're missing that. And I know we were hoping Carvalho would be that piece. So let me throw the crazy idea over there. As much as he has sucked uh, on the wing and stuff. Gally, let's go with you. You're a huge fan of Ox. You talked about it over and over on the show. Um, right up there. <laughs> would it have made almost more sense to have Ox in the middle and Gakpo on the left? Because, I mean, it's easy for us to just, you know, criticize the lineup after the fact. But, you know, looking at it in terms of how critical that middle section is, putting somebody with experience in the system, he might not have the likes to go 90 minutes to do the pressing Bobby does. But in terms of knowing what he has to do, where he has to go and stuff like that, would it not have made more sense? Yes. As much as it pains me to say this, it actually... It actually would have been a great opportunity to start Ox through the center on Saturday, um, and 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 I'll say this: I think that I think that uh, Harvey Elliott played one of his best matches against Wolves, which is why he earned himself a right to start this match. Once again, he was started in the wrong position because it was a different, completely set up and opportunity and. But I understand what Klopp was trying to do. It's hard to not reward Harvey coming off of that Wolves yeah. match to not give him a start because he was the best player on the pitch that day. He was right up there. Um, but if you're asking me what gave us the best chance to beat Chelsea on Saturday morning, it was probably Ox through the center, Gakpo on the left. Now, I'll be honest with you. If Nunez was fit enough to play from the bench, other than the fact that he looked like he was – literally in pain because of how cold it was in Liverpool on Saturday. The kid looked like he was dying. At one point, I thought he was actually going to wave over to the bench and ask if he could come out to go back in and get warm. Like, his face hurt. Of course, you like, ate teams like that, but they're like, I don't want to play. It's too cold. <laughs> he looked, I mean, he looked like he was still like, you know, like now they don't let him wear the long sleeve shirts anymore. There's no more of the like uh, Spanish league. I love when the Spanish players like Griezmann wears long sleeve shirts. It's 105 degrees in Madrid. Dude's wearing a long sleeve shirt, right? Nunez had like seven layers of Under Armour, like eight pounds of baby oil or whatever you could grease up to like lubricate the body and was still so frigid. His face was about to go like sub degree temperature. He has to start. If he can sit on the bench, he has to play in a must start from the beginning. For me, Nunez had to start that game. If he can play, he has to start. And I think that was where our biggest problem was. It, you know, as well as I do, the guy was, if he was fit enough to come on in that temperature off the bench, he was fit enough to start from the rip. And I think this is where we get to. That's Klopp just outthinking himself. I, I genuinely believe that. There was no reason for him not to start that match. He should have started. 
Yeah, I don't know, like, if he couldn't give you 90 minutes. I mean, that's something that we've criticized in the past. I mean, that's something that Klopp does, right? Like, you know, if the guy is available, he can only give you 45. We kind of see maybe we won't need him kind of thing. But I think it's pretty – it was pretty obvious that you were going to need him when you have your front lineup with the left wing in the center and your midfielder playing the left wing. Uh, so let's yes. go back to this. Jamie's saying, you know, Klopp has said many times, changing formation and systems – Mid-season are almost impossible. We'll not have time to perfect with so many outs I'm missing. Does it really make sense to instigate so much change? It is my issue with that. And I, I'm going to come to you, Bickler, because you brought up the whole FIFA thing. I realize it's not as easy, and I'm sure, I'm sure obviously you do too. Uh, you can't just go to squad settings, go to formation, and change the lineup, and boom, you got it. But it has to be said that there are a lot of teams that play different lineups and you know different formations and they switch from four in the back to three in the back they don't say oh fuck now we gotta wait till summer to change this they do it and i would also argue that it's a lot easier this is the same guy that played midfielders as center back instead of playing center backs as center back and midfielders as midfielders. i would argue that it's a lot easier for professional players to play in a slightly different system than having five guys on the plug on the field playing the same system but out of position what do you say what you say Let's, to that <clears throat> and i know this is what jürgen says right we've heard this a couple times from him about this but i just think that jürgen has a really good way of painting around actual issues um i mean he may say this right but the actuality of it is is if you remember two or three years ago when we were at our absolute best and when we were smoking through our first Champions League final, we would play three or four formations in a single match. In a single match, depending on how he had the core three of that midfield located and where their starting positions were, we fluctuated in and out of three or four formations in a single match. It's doable. He can do it. He doesn't, for whatever reason, he doesn't feel like he has the pieces to do it or doesn't have the desire to do it. And so he's going to dance his way around it. We've all seen it. We've seen it. And yeah, I mean, lots of managers do it. A lot of managers do it, yes. I just but, says, I wonder yeah. why Genius Club always stick to 4-3-3 with weak midfielders instead of 4-2-3-1 that we you know, talked about for months over here that helps the team both offense yeah. and defensive respectively. And like I say, yeah. I, I, we made this pie chart in your absence uh, last week, Bickler. It was delicious uh, in terms of like who the fault goes to. And – you know, we realize it's not all Klopp. There's like kind of like it kind of like gets distributed and stuff. But I almost feel like in most cases, he kind of gets a pass. And it's not because he's human. He's not perfect. There are going to be some things that we disagree with what he does as well. And this is one of them. I think he's just too stubborn and too loyal. And it has hurt him in the past with other teams. And I feel like it's coming to bite him in the ass again. I hope not. I'm hoping almost, you know... And we'll see what happens. I mean, I was going to ask you guys that we're kind of like running out of time here because I want to ask you guys about the upcoming game as well. But, uh, I mean, it's the 23rd already. And I guess when we're like get back together on the 30th, there's only going to be like two days left over here. And there's really no motion. There's some rumors here and there. But like you guys know, like we don't talk that many rumors over here. Uh, but I don't know if there's ever anything going to happen in the midfield anyway. But we shall find out. We have another like eight days to go over here. So next up. I guess the good news is we're not going to play a league game uh, for two weeks over here now. Uh, but next up, next Sunday, Brighton. Uh, we're going back up there again for the FA Cup. 
after being pummeled last time. And I'll, I'll be honest, like, you know, I was not on that podcast, but I would have had and I was probably going to predict the draw because I would hate to predict the loss. But when we went over there the first time, Gally, I did not have a lot of hope. And honestly, uh, <laughs> Matur says Reese Williams is coming back like a new signing. Hey, you know, knowing uh, knowing club, you might play left wing or something like that. You never know because he's familiar with the system. But um, Gally, uh, what do you expect to see? Do you want us to kind of trot out a younger lineup over there again because it's the FA Cup? Or does this team need to get well? I just barely finished the question when Brian says, like, play the kids. Or does this team just need to get the rhythm back? So it's important to keep playing until we get it. Said by a guy who covers youth teams for website. Appreciate the plug, Brian Shelton. Well done. <laughs> play the damn kids. Cover it. Um, no, I I was the one who said I would trot out like a youth team and literally bow out of this thing in the replay against Wolves because I felt extra matches weren't necessary and right now we need to focus on the top four. Since then, we've just, you know, dropped four points in, or five points in the league. So I think I actually probably make sense what I was saying. Um, we're going to go for it. It's all he knows how to do. He's going to go try to win this match. And I think, and I think honestly, because it's a replay with Brighton, I'm going to actually agree with Kazi for what I think just came up in the comments, which is, I think you almost have to, you were so embarrassed at Brighton playing that match the way you were. I think you have to go for and try to win this match and, and springboard yourself for, in my opinion, the champions league tie with Madrid and more importantly, the run-in to get to the top four. I still think the most important thing from here on out isn't winning the FA Cup or even the Champions League. It's qualifying for next year's Champions League, in my opinion. Now, don't go at me, fucking Arsenal fans. It's not a trophy because you finished top four. I know. I get it, right? But it's been nice to know for the last six, seven years we're going to be in the Champions League next year, every year when the season starts. And I'd like to know that next year when it starts. And I'd like all the summer recruits that all of us are clamoring for. But to be fair, I think there's a statement to be made this weekend against Brighton. And I think you go out there and you do what you did the last two weeks. You put up a good defensive approach. You defend properly. You keep a clean sheet and you hope you score. And if you do, you move on and who knows, maybe you win a cup. Yeah, I think the fact that there's so much... If it was a midweek game, I think I agree with, like, Brian. I would probably play the kids. The fact that you almost don't want these guys not playing for two weeks either before they go against uh, Wolves. I think that's why I'm more for, like, the stronger lineup too. Can you kind of use that uh, 3-0 defeat where we kind of were pretty embarrassed, I would say, in terms of, like... I mean, definitely outplayed. It wasn't, like, a fluke... 3-0 loss, Bickler. Uh, is that something that he can use to kind of go out there and make it right or really put up a better fight at Brighton? Or is that going to be just kidding yourself? No, and this is why I don't agree with putting out a strong lineup because you're not fucking better than Brighton. You're not. And so, like, this has never been – I don't think this has ever been a question of motivation, in my opinion. I think this has been a question about what this team is physically capable of right now considering the age and, and basically like, so where I'm coming from is like, my thing is if you want to build some sort of momentum and some sort of confidence with this side, you pick your spot. 
I think going up against a side that's clearly better than you in a competition that adds extra fixtures to the schedule is not the answer. Hmm, that's I hear that. My only, my only question would be is, is there's two weeks in between the Chelsea match and the Wolves match. There's nothing in between. You're not playing no, week in either of them. So you have a match in between. Wouldn't you play the same side almost that you just played against Chelsea if you felt they did well? Or like you're, you're, you still have to build on something to lead up to the next Premier League match. And right. ultimately, there's not anything. It's not like we're being asked to sacrifice a Premier League match or a Champions League match to focus on this match. So let me tell you this. I would, what, what's a better benefit? Have these kids go out and get experience in this match or go out with your best side to make a statement and lose 3-0 again? What yeah, does that do? Assuming we will lose 3-0 again. I'm, I'm saying that's a risk. Just oh, as yeah, much as you do. You do. Just, I, I, think it's a bigger, I think it's a bigger probability of that happening than we going out and responding and making a statement and winning. That's where yeah, I think this that, squad is. Same, same Brighton team that actually needed a fluke goal to get a draw against Leicester. They should have been down four to one in that match. They, Leicester didn't finish. They're up, Leicester was up two to one, outplayed Brighton. By all accounts, Leicester outplayed Brighton. Brighton got a result. They needed a draw and they got it. It's not like it's not like we're going into City and we're saying we're going to send out our guys to the Wolves just to try to win an FA Cup match against City. If anything, we should have laid down against City in the League Cup instead of rolling out guys four days before we had to play a Premier League match. For me, if we're at a point as Liverpool Football Club that we can't compete with Brighton after a week off, well, shit. What the hell are we even doing a podcast on Mondays for? I, I mean, I, mean, I think that's a real, a... but th- I think that's the reality of it. And I will tell you, yes, did Brighton struggle last week? They sure did. But the moments that Brighton have struggled this year are about the same size as the, the weeks that we've done well. They're a point ahead of yeah, us in the that's table. Like, that's kind of like a, about like them a like great Bickler uh, forecast over here. I, I understand what you're saying. Like you go out there um, against Brighton. And, you know, you put your ideal lineup, and if they do lose again, yeah, now you're back to square one. And We've said since anything. the beginning the priority is top four. That's the priority. And if you're not going to get it, every position on this table is worth $7.5 million in revenue. But you think it's and, better to, like, sit these guys for two weeks and then just kind of, like, roll them out towards Wolves? I think that's like, – I don't think know, there's anything – I don't think there's anything as too healthy right now. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's fair. I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, I don't agree with it. I personally think we should put out a good lineup. You got to start building uh, something. Uh, and, you know, if that comes through, you know, you got to make changes, implement changes. Even if I don't care, even if you use this game to try a new formation or whatever, you know, it's an opportunity oh, would... to build something instead of, you know, sitting for like two weeks, I think. But yeah. I know what you're saying. But I mean, I understand the point. Having said all that, let's do some predictions over here. So two things, strong lineup, young lineup, and what happens at the end? Gally, start with you. Strong lineup, young lineup, what happens at the end? I'm going to say um, it is a strong lineup purely because it's going to anger Bickler. <laughs> and no, we don't I, want I'm anything serious. more than that. No, no. 
I, I it's purely because it's strong lineup. I I think they do win this match. I don't know why. I I do feel like it, and it's almost to irritate me because I would love less matches. Um, but I think they win this match, and we probably end up with some crazy ass draw that I don't want, like United three days before United in the league or something like that. Um, but I, I I think we end up winning this match. Let's say two one, late winner. Bickler, the grim man. I think it's the strongest lineup possible in the grossest way. It's going to be like Tiago, Fabinho, Henderson, strong. Um, And I think we lose 2-1. Can't be. If if Tiago plays, then that's a problem, but I'll. He's going to have a, like, I mean, these guys will have a full week. No, I mean, he could go something like Henderson, Fab, and then uh, uh, Harvey over there somewhere, somewhere like that. I don't know. Should That's why Kata, I think, but... you know, like there will be some rotation. No, no I way. think Brian Shelton was the one saying, you know, why play him on the left? Um, and mix, he says a mixed lineup, 2 1. And uh, okay, so we never got to. I feel like, yes, I go with Galley's prediction. I think we put a pretty strong lineup over here uh, with like Nunez up top and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Try to get that front three rolling. And I think we win this thing. Uh, I'm going to go out on the limb. Afterwards, we complain about the, the fixtures coming every three, four days and stuff. I'm going to go out on a limb. Calvin Ramsey will not feature. <laughs> Just want to make sure I got this that out there. Why we have you on the spot. We man. got a backup for Builder, probably. <laughs> we got a backup for Builder, finally, man. So just to make Kazi happy and just have a moment of silence, our buddy Fat Frank Lampard over here. Uh, what do you guys make of the news? It was kind of bittersweet for me because I was really starting to enjoy the misery uh, of Fat Frank. I mean, he was literally aging in front of our eyes, it felt like. Uh, and I think you, he could have finished the job. I feel like he's been done wrong with this thing. But what I mean... It's pretty sad, but let's face it. We watched that game in the morning, and then the only joy we got from that day was Everton losing to West Ham and looking back. Yeah. But, um, well, what do you see happening over there next, Galley? I, I see them struggling. Like it, in, in, in the words of Clubber Lane, I have one prediction, and that is pain. Like <laughs> that, that is what's coming to the Ever- to the good folks of Everton. Um, you know that day when we were when we were watching that match, the first thing that came to my mind was was it only took Everton to remind Jared Bowen he was still a talented English footballer. Yeah. Like literally, he saw the Everton back line. He was like, "Watch this! I'll score fucking goals!" Like it was so bad. They were so poor. Um, they have no formation. They have little talent, and it's just it's kind of fun to watch, to be honest. What do you think, Bickler? Are they going to – I mean, they got – I almost feel like if they bring a new manager, they'll probably like – I was talking about this earlier, like break the glass and in case of an emergency, break glass and pop Duncan out of there. And they were like, hey, can you just trot us out against Arsenal and uh, Liverpool because we don't want to embarrass the new guy. And I feel like the new guy will come in where they're playing Leeds at home, then Villa at home, at Forest, at home to Brantford. They have that, you know, four-game run where they could maybe rack up some points. Uh, what do you expect to happen over there, Bickler? I don't know, because it's weird when when usually when teams have a manager change, there's like a an increase in form momentarily, right? We saw yeah. this jarred. So, like, I think we may see a little bit of that. But I got to tell you, the, the rumored replacements between Bielsa and Daesh and – 
So I saw some rumor that Sam Allardyce was spotted in Liverpool. Like it's just like those those <laughs> options are almost so comical. Like I don't so Everton have been so irrelevant for so long from a competitive standpoint, and I'm not from Liverpool. Like the teams that I hate, like I understand that rivalry and and how intense it goes back, how generational and how it comes down to neighborhoods and all that. Um, my, I personally hate Arsenal because all like a couple of my good friends are just obnoxious Arsenal fans. And so like, that's where I fall. So for me, I don't understand like we're like tracking Everton becomes like basically a national holiday when Liverpool suffer. Um, so like, I, I, I can appreciate that. I'm not there yet, but I, I do feel happy for Kazi knowing that these rumored replacements are, are, are as bad, if not worse than what they had. Yeah, I think I just enjoyed the misery more because it was Fat Frank. So now I need like Sean Douche or somebody like that to keep my enjoyment going. Because if it's going to be somebody else, I mean, I'm like you, Victor. I think because we're not from Liverpool, to me, like United has been a bigger rival and I've already like always despised them. Doesn't help that my freaking like brother is a United fan and stuff too. But go ahead, Gary. No, I was going to say, I actually... I've been the one calling the dice train all day. Like I've been saying it for a couple days now. Like I, they almost hired him twice through all of this. They almost hired him before Frank. They almost hired him before. I think it was the kid, the guy who came from Hull, um, the guy who's at Fulham now that's doing such a good job. They almost hired dice then at Everton. Like they've wanted him in the past. So I think if he wants that job, he's going to get it. The question is, does Sean Dyche want to sign on? I don't want Sean Dyche to sign on because I actually think Sean Dyche might be the type of manager who could like galvanize that team and figure out a way to just claw to 17th place. Where like, I think there are people like, I think Bielsa will send them down with a missile. Like, I think Bielsa will have them down by April 1st. Like, seriously. I think they'll be relegated mathematically by April 1st. I think Dominic Calvert-Lewin will show up, do the first training session, get told there's a second one in the afternoon, show up for it in, like, a modeling outfit and be like, well, I don't train twice in one day. And Bielsa will be like, just get the and, – and I'm cutting your hair. And just cut his hair off, like, in the middle of it. Like – I think they could have like a mutiny and it would just be gorgeous. If, if like Sam Allardyce showed back up, like they think the board was threatened. Like they were threatening people when Sam was there and he was the manager keeping them up. Like there could be like some great, great comedy that happens there. And I'm all for it. Like that club will fall apart if they go down. Like their contracts are so large. It would take so long for them to get out from under it. There'd be an exodus of any talent they have, like Onana and Guy and Pickford. And you can all laugh at me, but like Pickford would be scooped up immediately if he was available going into the championship. There are a lot of players on that side that could be found. Maybe Gray. But like they will literally have like the largest payroll in the championship and they'll still be Everton. Like, yeah, so I mean, they were talking about that club. last year, I think. When That's they a were, crazy I mean, part. The like, they're in real trouble. The financial ramifications of that, if they went to champions, I mean, because, you know, if they would go down to the 
go down below. I mean, the weight structure and stuff they have right now, I mean, it would be pretty painful. But like I say, I don't know if I'll get as much pleasure. I still will. But now that Fat Frank is gone, so let's hope for Sean Douche. But I think you're right. It's a, more of a – I don't think it's a club at the moment who has their pick of which coach they can get because I think if you are a guy like Sean Douche, even if you're Bielsa, I think you can say, you know what, I can probably – get a better gig in the Premier League, just wait till the off-season and stuff. And like Brian says, they might have the best stadium in the championship if that thing ever gets built and finished and all that good stuff. But that's it for us today. We will be back next Monday. I will be back Wednesday morning. The morning shows are Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays now at what time? Eastern Galley. Let's do some math over here. It will be 10 Eastern. Yes. 10 Eastern. We have moved it up an hour, people, just so I can just find a reason one hour later to get pulled away from work. (laughs) Get your coffee and uh, meet us there. But then we will be back next Monday. Uh, talking about all these new midfielders we sign and who we're going to play in the FA Cup next round and all that good stuff. But have an awesome week, and we'll see you guys soon. Take care.